What's up, guys? So I recorded a recent podcast and I was going back and forth with the release in it because it was really, really personal. Um, But this was recorded last week during the week of Thanksgiving. I had watched Red Table Talk and it was very personal and it really touched me. And, you know, I believe that in life, when you go through certain things, someone out there might need to hear your story to decide that they deserve better. They need to walk away, you know, or just to hear other people's experiences in life to help them. So I went back and forth. I even talked to like a couple friends about it, but I will, I'm, you know, I decided to go ahead and release it because, you know, uh, Eric Thomas said something one time about, and I know I said it in my podcast before that I don't want to wake up every day. Like, would you rather wake up every day with regret of the things that you could have done? Or do you want to wake up every day? Like, living and walking in a person and claiming and owning your story. So although this was recorded last week, I just want to share it. Following this podcast, I'm also going to share um, the podcast that I did or the recording I did with Greg, who talks about, we talked about his experience with um, domestic violence or just seeing abuse, period. It got into, it kind of turned from domestic violence to abuse because he um, never necessarily witnessed things, but Abuse was something that he experienced. And again, I think it's always important to hear other people's perspectives, their stories, especially the male's perspective, because they're kind of raised to kind of stay silent on these things. So I hope, you know, you guys take away from this. Everybody's story is different. So I'm just sharing my story, hoping that it will touch someone or just educate and raise awareness of something that is still going on right now. What's up, family? So I'm here with a, uh, like I said, like a bonus episode of the uh, Comfortably Reborn African. Um, What made me or inspired me to um, record this episode was I started to see a pattern this week. And because I saw this pattern, um, you know, sometimes I felt like, okay, it just was speaking to me like it was on my heart. It was heavy on my heart to speak about it. And um, I just kept on seeing this theme this week. And I'm like, you know what? If this message will possibly help someone that might be dealing with it, you know, why not talk about it? Um, And it's very personal, but I've already gotten already pretty personal with my other podcast. But today we're going to talk about domestic violence. Um, So it kind of kicked off with me seeing the um, episode of Red Table Talk. I actually saw clips of it, but I just finished watching it recently. Red Table Talk. That was like the um, if no one has um, um, watched that, it's a Facebook um, um, like a, it's a Facebook, Facebook platform. If no one knows, Facebook has been like, um, producing like, you know, a lot of great content and these, um, TV shows or, you know, social media type shows. And this was with, uh, Jada Pinkett, um, Pinkett Smith. And the great thing is, you know, her, her mother, as well as her daughter, Willow, they sit down and they talk about um, a multitude of things. And this week they spoke about domestic violence because Jada's mother, Adrienne, had experienced um, domestic violence with um, um, her ex-husband, what happened to be Jada's father. And um, so she talked about her experience and then her hairdresser came on and talked about her experience. And it was just like, wow. Um... And it was just a, it was just beautiful because again you're seeing you know women come together to support each other 
about something that's really, really sensitive. And I mean, talking about things like why they stayed and things like that. So that was like the first thing I saw. I was just like, okay, that hit home. And then um, there was an interview with Justine Skye on The Breakfast Club um, where she was talking about and Justin Sky is like an R&B pop artist um, and she was doing an interview on there and she talked about her experience with domestic violence and how, you know, this was somebody that I guess is popular within hip hop that, you know, it happened and, you know, it kind of was, I don't know, she, she, it, she wasn't really, she didn't really get the treatment that she expected because this is someone that has a certain level of popularity and, you know, she just talked about her journey through that and kind of managing and dealing with like the fact that, you know, people who she thought had her back didn't have her back and how people know what happened and they're still supporting that person. Um, and it was just, you know, again, just the transparency, transparency was very, very awesome. Um, because again, these are the kind of stories that might touch somebody or touch a woman or a man that's experiencing it because of course this isn't this isn't just happening to women you know that's the other thing like I wish more men came out but men you know they're being abused too there might be women out there that might be putting their hands on them and testing them and doing things that's abusive as well but you don't hear those stories because you know how many men are going to come out and say they're being abused but it happens to men as well um, and then, you know, you heard a story about an active shooter and it was look like, you know, I'm and, and there's pieces of it that people don't know yet, but it seemed like it could be, you know, it's domestic related because, you know, you had a woman that got shot and other individuals within that hospital got killed because, you know, a gentleman showed up and um, to clearly he came with the, you know, a firearm and he killed his um I believe they were separated or ex-fiance, so um, they were no longer in a relationship, but, you know, he showed up and shot her. Um, so who knows what was going on within that relationship. And then I was reading, um, I went on this group, Facebook group that I'm a part of within my community, and it talked about the county that I live in and how um, within Texas it has the highest rate of domestic violence and they were, because basically that um, domestic uh a battered woman shelter needed winter clothes and they talked about how it's the highest in Texas and you know how it's high up there in the nation's uh, most um, area or top area of battered women and it's just like wow I kept seeing this theme so um, it's like I just wanted to share my story with domestic violence because I am also I don't know if you call yourself a survivor but I did experience that I experienced that um within my marriage. Um, I dealt with, you know, abuse with a relationship that I had when I like first started college. Um, so I do have a personal story of myself that I just want to share and, you know, also talk about, you know, a lot of people ask you why you stay, why you stay when I decided to um, leave and just the rebuilding phase. And every woman is different. Every woman has a story. So I'm just sharing my experience, my story, um, of how domestic violence affected me, um, how it affected my, my mindset and, you know, my parenting and all that. So, you know, this is just one of those episodes that's really like transparent, but I decided, I decided to take this walk in life. I decided to take this walk and this journey in life to, um, take the pain and take the hurt that I've experienced in my life to, for God to use it for his purpose. And I just pray that 
Um, you know, again, if this doesn't touch anyone or if it doesn't reach anyone, it is what it is. But I, again, I don't want to live a life where I regret not sharing these stories because you just never know who might be going through that exact same thing or something similar they need to hear. They need to hear from women who have been through it to know they're not alone. They need to hear from men to know that they're not alone, to hear from people who they can like draw energy from and say, okay, there is a, um, there is a way out. There is a possibility that I could, um, you know, break out from the situation. So my transparency is just in purpose and, you know, in life to just be, you know, just be another story for someone to hear. And hopefully someone is inspired to walk away or someone is so or someone that is inspired to say, listen, I need to get help because I'm abusing the person that I'm saying I love. If you or anyone you know are dealing with domestic violence, we stand with you. You are not alone. Please reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233 or go to hotline.org. You can also learn more through the National Network to End Domestic Violence at nnedv.org. So before we get into the story, um, Greg's story, I'm going to share mine. So um, mine was kind of a bit drawn out. Um, the first time that I probably experienced some type of a, you know, a guy with issues or it might be a bit abusive was I was um, in college. Um, this was the, I was probably about, I was, I graduated at 17. So I was about 17 and I was dating a gentleman and he was, um, he actually was, in like a group home, he kind of, he was adopted and he just came from a bunch of trauma. Um, so it was your typical, I call them builder bears and that might be a wrong term to use, but it's like, you know, when you entertain or you're with men or people of, um, or even women that have issues and you feel like you can take a ticket upon yourself to fix them. So if you think of builder bear, I don't know if anybody knows what the builder bear factory is, but you go there, you can build a bear from scratch. You can pick what clothes it has, what color it is. Um, what it's going to have on is like you're creating your own little bear. Um, so my term for, you know, people that entertain individuals and believe that they can fix them and create them into what they want to be. I call them builder bears. Um, so in this case, um, the first time I saw his anger really kind of flip out is, you know, we were having a heated debate and he like punched the window of my car and literally cracked the window. Then the next time it happened, you know, he was doing something inappropriate at a club and I, you know, I, to another woman and I, you know, I went outside, I confronted him about it and he just went on to shove me amongst like a crowd of people. And I, I think that was probably the last time, like that part was a straw that broke the camel's back. Um, all, you know, because also the embarrassment of it. And it's crazy because a lot of people wear, um, Everybody's different, but you know, for me, it took me being a public embarrassment and everyone seeing what happened for me to say, okay, this guy isn't for me. But then when I really dealt with it was when um, it was probably no more than a week or less than a week than from my from when I got married, and uh, 
I, yeah, my ex would come home and tell me like prior to our marriage, he used to come home and tell me about all the guys at the gym and how some of them would gossip and say things about the different women. And I would be the, one of the person, you know, one of the people that they would talk about because when we were dating a lot, I, you know, we kept it kind of secret on a low just for, you know, cause we didn't want anyone to kind of know our business. So they didn't know we were dating. So, you know, he was coming back and saying like, you know, basically he got intel and they would talk to him about me in this manner because, you know, they didn't think we were dating. And it was just like a bunch of lies or just like, you know, guys being guys or that quote unquote locker room talk, real inappropriate stuff, but he was bothered by it. So I noticed early on that he had jealousy issues. So I was active in bands. I had a lot of male friends from being in the band scene, from singing, but I started to disconnect myself from them because I already knew, I noticed that he was... uh he had uh, just a bit of anger. Um, and at that moment, it was a bit of anger. Um, and also he had jealousy issues. So I started to like kind of pull back from them just to kind of like appease him and give him like the, listen, I'm here for you. I'm right or die. You don't have to worry about any men. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to prove I even stopped training. I just was like, I got so disgusted with the information he told me because that was a place that I considered home. It was family. Like I, um, you know, I fought out of there. That was like my second, like little sanctuary of peace. So to hear that people that I thought were, my teammates talk about me that way it turned me off so i removed myself from there so you know in that way you can see how the seclusion is happening it's happening where they say that happens in a lot of situations with abuse or whatever or people who are insecure so anyway i probably was a week out from my um divorce i'm sorry not my divorce from from being married not even a week out maybe it was probably literally like three four days he came home with more quote-unquote gossip and after at this point most people knew that we were married so it's interesting that you, you know, that people might, and again, there was no confirmation of all this. Again, I was just trusting that he wouldn't be coming home this angry and tell me all this stuff just, just to make it up or if he was fishing for information, but I never really like verified. So he's gone on and on about what he heard. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, we just got married and you're already starting stuff. So, um, I told him to leave because he got really disrespectful out of his mouth. And I just was like, get out, you need to go. And when I said that, as he was walking out, he literally like charged at me, like turned around and just ran at me full speed. And next thing I knew, he he had his hands around my throat and I was being suffocated in a way. And and there's no levels of it. Um, I trained jujitsu. So there's different levels. You know, you you get in a chokehold and, you know, so it was like, OK, suffocation or well, not suffocation, but you, you know, end up being in, put in these positions where you know, you might, you know, get choked out or pass out, but it's a part of training. But this was, uh, this was like a level of, uh, suffocation that, uh, I, I believed I was going to die that day. So as I was being, uh, like thrown around all around the house, as I pleaded for my life, um, I didn't know, but the, the neighbors had called the police and, um, it wasn't until, you know, I just kept thinking of like, what can I say to like snap him out of it? Because it was like, he wasn't there. He wasn't hearing me. It just, his anger was, was fueled so much that everything I was just like saying and how I was pleading just did not, you know, when I could get a word out, um, it was just not, it just was not doing anything. I just was being tossed around the house and just suffocated constantly. It was torture. Um, I finally said, you're being just like your father. Why? Because I was dealing with a man who had shared that his mother was abused by her, um, by her father 
I mean, I'm sorry, by her, her, because her, his dad and his mother never married. So, um, I was aware that his father had abused his mother so bad and he would share how, how traumatic it was and how bothersome it was. So to sit there with somebody that you hadn't been, even been married a week with, and he's literally choking the life out of you, um, to 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 have that happen to you by somebody that uh share with you what happened to like what he witnessed um it's just shocking even now to think about it like he talked about it in a way of how it bothered him so much and now you are doing the exact same thing that you witnessed your mother go through um so it was like when i said you're being just like your father i kept repeating it Cause he was just holding me down. He just was like, it, it was, it, it was, it was crazy. And then finally he stopped and he left. Um, so by that time the police showed up, not, but he had left already. The police showed up, knocked on the door. You know, I'm, I'm visibly shaking. There are marks all over my chest on my neck. You can see the, like, uh, the lines from where he just was choking me so bad. It was to the point where I had lost my voice, um, because he squeezed so hard like that it's hard to describe but it was just like literally there was no breath I couldn't I just was sucking for air I was trying to find any way to get breath into my lungs and uh they showed up said that the neighbors called I was trying to be like sir is everything fine I just wanted them to leave because you know I was in a situation where he was on probation I didn't want to get anybody locked up I just was in shock so then I find myself being pulled out of my house my apartment by one of the police officers, having my hand put behind my back and held up against the wall while the other officer went in and checked the uh, the bedroom or the house. So now I'm being re-traumatized already. I'm the victim and now I'm being held up on the wall in, in my apartment hallway. It's so embarrassing. So when they finally did, he finally did his little peek around and who knows, maybe he felt like he had, you know, um, I can't think of the term, but he had a reason to go in because technically I could have been the one that was abusing or hurting someone. So um, I, I don't, I guess maybe it was called for, but it was just extremely shocking. They asked like, okay, what happened? Who is he? They were trying to pull it out of me. And of course I was your typical, like, you know, like if you watch that uh, bad boy show where they used to like, oh, cops, I'm sorry, I call it bad boys. Cause that was the name of the, like, that was the anthem of the, the, the show cops where you will see like domestic violence situations where the women were like nah I'm good I don't want I don't want to say who it is and that's what it was for me um and then they left you know before they left one of them just had to like comment and tell me how filthy my house was and I'm thinking like your house is a mess and I'm thinking in my head like yeah my house is a mess because I was just being thrown around in it but you guys have a nice day um so that was like extremely like that was probably was like uh that was an extremely like tra- traumatic situation to go through. Um, but of course, like a lot of situations, I took them back. Um, the embarrassment of being a newlywed, not even four or five days into my marriage and have to say that I was going through this, tell my parents, I kept it a secret. I kept everything that I was going through in my marriage a secret because I had um, idolized marriage so much. 
And I wanted to break the cycle, not just for, you know, for for what he had experienced. I wanted to break the cycle and show a representation of a healthy marriage so bad that I thought that was my Build-A-Bear moment. I could fix this. If I show my loyalty, if I can do all these things, I can fix this situation and I can have the life that I always wanted to have. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, you know, over time, you know, it wasn't just domestic abuse. It was emotional. It was financial. It was all of that. It was just a nonstop of things that was happening that uh, eventually I did walk away. So that's my story with domestic violence. And um, in this next segment, I'm going to bring Greg on and we're just going to talk to him about his story. Um you know, take some takeaways and, um, you know, move on from there. So just stay tuned. So let's talk about why I stayed. I'm going to break that down just a little bit. Um, and everybody's reason for staying is different. Um, some people might stay because of financial reasons, some of it because they don't feel like they can find anything else. They're embarrassed. It's a multitude of reasons. So my reason for staying might be different or it might be the same from others. Um, But it's not the all and be all of the reasons why people decide to stay in situations such as this. Um, But one of the biggest things is that probably started off was embarrassment of it. Um, Like I said, if I'm within a week of getting married to have to go in um, and share that I was in this situation, it was difficult for me. And the hard part about it is like I had to lie, you know, so I couldn't go into work the next day because, again, I was visibly I couldn't hide the markings. I had never experienced that before. You see it on TV. You think you're going to go about it one way, but that's not what happens. So I had to like come up with like a, a lie so I couldn't go to work, which backfired, backfired on me. And I end up, you know, um, losing my job because of it. I later on told, you know, the person I was working for why I, you know, what really happened. But it was embarrassing. You know, they were at my wedding as well. Not only that, this is a military organization. So, you know, to have to tell them what's going on, I didn't know how they were handling it. So they pretty much, you know, I was in the process of transitioning to a new career field. Um, In the military, you can change. Like if you're in medical, you can decide um, if you meet the qualifications and transfer to a new career. Um, career track. And so I was in the process of doing that. So they were like, you know, since you're about to transfer to this, you know, go to school for your new training, just take leave for now in this transition out. And, you know, then you can just go to your new, you know, your new um, section, um, your new organization. Um, So, you know, and the thing is, it's like working there, there were a lot of opportunities there, but they had noticed a change in me and I could not vocalize it because I was embarrassed I was afraid of how it was going to be handled. I just didn't know. Like to tell your, again, you know, most people don't even want to tell their job. They're like personal things. But like this was uber personal. Like I said, these people were just at my wedding last week. And to tell them that it was an embarrassment. And, you know, I wanted to, I was married. I thought this was like the level of like, oh my gosh, I've made it. I'm married now. Like this is what life is all about as women you know, you, you aspire to marry marriage. This is how you're, you know, I won't say necessarily raised, but that's like a picture that's brought in front of you. So now that I've attained this, you know, to see it crumble just within a few days, I was embarrassed. Um, so I stayed because I, I, I didn't want, I, you know, I made a vow and I, um, I didn't want it to end in that way and be a failure. 
Um, so if I was going to think of the first reason why I stayed, that was it. The next thing was um, because, I, like I said, I, I, I did the whole build. I had the builder bear mindset. I felt that if I showed my loyalty, if I did what was necessary to show him how, um, how committed I was to this relationship, how committed I was to him, he would change. You know, I wanted to be the cycle breaker. I wanted to break the cycle of what happened in his household, what he saw as a child. I wanted to be the, um, I wanted our marriage to be like the hashtag relationship goals. To be what, you know, what happens when you have people who had been through so much pain and so much hurt. And they've been able to come together and, you know, build and create and like do something amazing as a union. Um So that's what I thought of, you know, if I just stuck in there, showed my loyalty, canceled all my friends, kept quiet, did all these things that he would eventually change. But that was all a lie. You know, the more and more I secluded myself and and made it seem like everything was okay, you know, the worse and worse it became because I felt alone. Like, no, I had nobody to confide in because I was just afraid of sharing this information so I literally held it to myself and it just, it showed on my body. I was overweight. It showed in my face. It showed in my clothes. I just wore black all the time. And once I had my kids, it made it even more difficult to leave because now you're dealing with, I don't want to be another, you know, statistic. Another woman that as a part of a statistic of black men who aren't um, married to the mother of their children or they're with the mother of their children. And now I'm just another statistic. That was the other embarrassing part, like to go places and, you know, I'm there with my kids and I don't want to be the the other woman coming in like, oh, I'm a single parent. I just, I, I just did not want that from, for my children. I didn't, you know, I was thinking selfishly about myself um, because again, like, just because I didn't want to not quote unquote be a single parent, um, if my children would have would have grew up in that environment, the damage that could have caused for them in their future would have been, you know, even worse. So, but at that moment, I just thought, I don't want to be a single parent. Um, so, you know, with those three, um, those were like the biggest biggest things that kept me there. You know, and and again, I had this loyalty, I had this ride or die ment- mentality, like. If I stay there, he's going to change. If I do this, he's going to change. I just kept on trying to do all these things, hoping he was going to change, and it just didn't happen. I could not change a person. You don't have the power to change someone. They have to want to do it for themselves. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was that. And then, you know, I was lonely. I, I was lonely while I was in it, but in my head, I was thinking like, okay, I got to get back in into this world of dating and. If I leave, like, what's going to be out there for me? I'm a single mother of two kids. Who's going to want that? And all those little thoughts just came into my head. And then I made a file before God and what would God say? And I I just was worn with this for so, so, so long. But, um, and it, and it just, it just, I don't know, it just spiraled out of control to the point where I found myself, um, I found myself in it one day and I had made a noose in our closet and I wanted to kill myself that day. And I remember just flipping out because of how he spoke to me. I just lost it. And my two little children were there. His son was there. And I just like tore the house up and I went in the room and I just like made a noose and I wanted to die. Um, and if it, if it wasn't for my friend that, call, that I talked to, 
that kind of just like talked me through it. Um, I don't know what would have happened, but I just wanted to end it. And just to think about it, like my, my youngest children, they probably were like one and two. Um, and they're witnessing me have this nervous breakdown. And it was, it was depressing, you know. But then a few days later, life went on and I walked around with this, you know, this just nasty taste in my mouth because I was so miserable, so miserable. But the thing about all those thoughts that's going in your head, it'll keep you in the cycle of maybe one day he will change. Maybe one day things will change. Um, but the reality is it didn't. So why did I leave? Um, so the thing about prayer, it, for me, it, it works. For a while, I prayed like, okay, should I leave? How do you feel about it, Lord? Again, I'm a, faith is extremely important to me. That is like my driving force for everything. So as I fought with um, making this decision, I prayed like, God, just show me a sign. Like if this is what it's supposed to be, just let me know if I should stay, if things are going to change. And um, it was confirmed to me when, you know, I figured out that there was still some like extramarital stuff going on. Like there were um, cheating that was still happening. And infidelity happened throughout the relationship. And um, this time it just, I don't know, it just threw, it just finally just hit me like I can't do this anymore. Um, and then because I had already been functioning as a single parent when he left, I think that that allowed me to know how much stronger I was than I knew because I had to do everything on my own. Um, the little bit he did do, you know, helped me a lot when he was around. But now when he left, it was me like having to take care of everything. And it was tough, um, but I got through it. So I decided to, to, to like start distancing myself. And even once... Um, he was like gone. He was like trying to stay and I kept warring with it. I kept warring with it for so long, but I kept on finding more stuff about infidelity. It was just more just of the disrespect that I just was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I finally decided to go to therapy. It was Christian therapy or Christian support or Christian counseling. And I met with um, a pastor Brent in my church and I was like, please, please just give me guidance. The Bible said God hates divorce, and I know that it also talks about, you know, reasons why, you know, just biblically reason why. I, I At that moment, and even now, like, I'm very, like, I want to please God. I want to do things that's right. I'm not perfect, of course, but, you know, there are certain things when it comes to covenants. There's certain things that I'm just like, I want to know that it's okay with God that I make this decision. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, in me marrying that person that might have not necessarily been God's decision. Sometimes we make decisions just because love conquers all. But uh, I really just wanted God's stamp of approval. And I sat down with him and he talked to me about it. And he really just like really helped me see it from a different perspective, really see it like biblically. And that's the thing, like regardless of how you're trying to um, go about trying to figure out what to do, how you should handle things, talking to the expert, talking to people who really know the information. If it's, like I said, if it's just therapy and just getting therapy with someone, if it's faith that pushes you, whatever it is, going to that expert and going to that person that can really give you like the, the, like guide you through making that decision and give you like some authentic, real advice and support really helps you in that decision making. So he really helped clarify 
my fears and things that um, I was thinking was going to put me on God's bad list and just breaking down like you're good. Like this is what happened to you based off what you're saying. This is the option you have. Like don't, you know, he just really just made me feel awesome. And the great thing about that, that also led me into getting into a program with the church um, for survivors of sexual assault. So it was like God was truly navigating my life and putting me in the right uh, positions and before the right people so I can start getting like the healing for all the trauma that I experienced even when I was a child and when I was a teenager. Um, so that just pretty much confirmed it. And I pretty much, you know, did the paperwork and it was a fight because he just was not trying to sign off on it. It was just ups and downs because we have children together. Um, so he was trying to do things to punish me through the process. It was just a long drawn, painful, painful process. And thank God for, um, the savior program in my church. Thank God for fitness because it just helped kind of like, um, make me push and pull my energy into other things to kind of help me through it um until I eventually like started to just get better and better you know God again started aligning and putting people in my life to help me through the process I had met um another um awesome awesome person that is now like one of my good my bestest friends that was actually going through marital issues too and we literally met each other in the while we were both going through this transition in our marriages and that helped me through so you know, I found that exit plan. I found that door out. I found that way. And I finally like trusted and believed in myself. And like I said, my faith was my driving force. So even through that, I finally got the strength that I needed to finally decide, like, I don't want to do this anymore because I, although my goal was to break the cycle, I literally was repeating the same cycle that he, his mother went through and now he's doing it. I was repeating the cycle. So as much as I wanted to be Miss Break the Cycle, I, if I would have stayed, I was going to perpetuate and push that cycle from to continue. So by get leaving, it's kind of like I wanted to break the cycle. I didn't want my children to experience a lifestyle like that where you just stay with someone with because of the embarrassment or because of the looks of it. So, you know, I'm just really, really grateful for that. And like I said, whoever out there is going through this and trying to figure out what they should do, there is an exit plan. There is something you can do. There are people out there that will support you. Yes, it'll be tough because you are literally learning to love yourself. You are literally learning how to trust yourself. You're learning how to stand on your own two feet. And that might be something you've never done. You might have been in these patterns of bad relationships. You might have been in these patterns and um, bad situations that you have experienced that that's normal for you, but it's not normal. Normalcy is peace. You know, again, we're not perfect and and we're still going to run into certain um, ups and downs, but like, you're not supposed to go through things like that. Abuse is not meant for you. Um, You know, hurt people hurt people, but we shouldn't necessarily be with hurt people because we can fix them or because, you know, we've been hurt too. No, you need to heal. You should not be going into a situation feeling like someone is going to complete you. Or thinking you're going to complete someone else. Um, So it it took a while, that journey. I had to grasp that. And, um, you know, where I am today, I'm I'm just thankful for finding me again. Because who, the person that died, then um, I just died to my old self. My personality died. The fun I used to have died. The the singing and the love and all the things that I would love to do, all that died. And to be able to, like, create a new me. And um, that's why that uncomfortably reborn African, that's why that reborn is in there. It's tied to that. It's being reborn and, and really turning into um, 
this person that you just never thought you were good enough to be or strong enough to be. So there is a light on the other side. So please reach out to those resources. Start getting yourself around the people and um, that's going to support you in that. Because sometimes, you know, my family didn't have a clue. And I'm pretty sure if I told them, they would have been like, leave. But some, some people, their families do know. Their friends do know. And they might convince them to stay. And although your family members or your friends might mean well, no one it's never okay to stay into something stay in something like that um but get the therapy you need talk to the counselor again if it's faith um faith pushes you go to your church see what support they have if they don't have resources reach out to your local battered woman shelter um you know you got the information for the um national domestic violence hotline just reach out. There's so many resources out there that you can reach out to. And as always, as always, like I said, if anyone has any questions or concerns for me or need more resources and I can forward you any other information, please email me at journeyfitnesslove at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on my Instagram at, at salongal83. Um, like I said, I stand with you. You know, I love you, sisters. I love you out there, brothers who might be going through this. Um, it, it, and and awesome, I did a uh, interview with, or I spoke with Greg about his experience in domestic violence and abuse and how that affected him. So I will be posting that soon, so you can kind of hear the male's perspective and how that, you know, shaped his life or how he saw things. Um, because you know, hearing the male perspective is really important as well. Because men go through this, but unfortunately, there's a double standard where if you have men who are being abused or you know men who decide not to live that lifestyle, there's just there's just a different view when men go through this. Um, so to hear from someone who um, has seen it or has experienced it um, was really really insightful. So that will be coming out soon. But again, reach out to the National um, Domestic Violence um, contact information that I posted. Um, go to the hotline.org site and just find out where resources are out there for you because there is someone out there ready to talk to you, ready to support you. Or if anything I can do to support you or forward you to the right person, please let me know. You guys have an amazing day and thank you for tuning in.